We finished our series today titled, Five Questions Every Man Needs Answered. Today's question is, how do I talk to God in prayer? Pastor John Mark Caton returns to help guide us through today's question to better assist us in talking to God through prayer. Now, let's hear from John Mark. All right. What's up, boys? Good seeing y'all. Hopefully, y'all are uh, ready to go this morning. We finish our series today. Uh, Let me try to fix this thing real quick. All right. Fell down on, was it that or the stand that fell down on me last week? I think it was a stand. Uh, we finished a series today uh, entitled Five Questions Every Dude Needs to Answer. Five Questions Every Dude Needs to Answer. And if you, um, if you are new here, some of y'all are, uh, week one, we looked at this question, how do I know God's will for my life? Uh, week two, how can I hear God speak to me? Week three, uh, how do I respond when God says no? Uh, and that's important because God does say no. Last week we looked at this. If there's something that needs to change in my life, how do I change my life? I thought we'd uh, end today uh, with, man, how do I talk to God in prayer? And how do I just talk to God in prayer? And part of knowing how to talk to God in prayer uh, means that I have to know who God is and what he's like and what he's not like. And so uh, if you'll notice on the screen, Matthew chapter 6, that's kind of where we're going to be today. Uh, We'll jump off uh, a number of different places. Uh, I know we all are still reeling uh, from uh, an amazingly successful Cowboys offensive uh, explosion the other night. And so my prayer today as I was leading towards this is that your prayer life would be better than the Cowboys offense, all right? And so if I can move us a little down the field today, I think, uh, I think we'll all be better off for it. And you know, when we think about talking to God, I think we do have a tendency, all of us do have a tendency, uh, to kind of think of God uh, in a certain way. And I, I don't know if you, you think of God as kind of uh, what your earthly father was because he's called the heavenly father. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Depending on how your father was. Was your father an engaged father who loved you, who, who, who was ready to have long dialogues with you? Or was your father uh, one that was mean? Uh, uh, maybe you see God as more like a drill sergeant. Got a lot of military guys, always have a lot of military guys here. Maybe you see God as a drill sergeant. Uh, maybe you see God as a coach. Maybe you see God as a counselor. Maybe you see God as uh, just kind of a, a genie that you just kind of leave off to the side of your life, off to the side of your life uh, until you need something. And then you want to show up and pray a couple of prayers and, and poof, things just happen to you. And so I don't know which one of those uh, you see God as, but I think it's important that we look at what Jesus said about how we talk to God and how we pray because I just got to be honest with you guys, most men don't have great prayer lives. We're doers, we're not prayers, right? Uh, I can tell you in my life, uh, you give me a choice between praying and preaching, I'm probably going to choose to preach. If you give me a choice between stopping, pausing, and praying and doing something, I'm going to choose to do something. And most guys in the room are the same way. Uh, My wife, uh, first of all, she annoys me because she's a morning person. I am not a morning person. How many of you know, for me, 6 a.m. is early. How many of you have been up for over an hour? And that's just your night. See, I hate you dudes. I mean, I hate y'all. And so next week... Next week's lesson on how does a pastor respond when he hates all the men in his church. That's going to be the message next week. See, some of you dudes are just, you're just early birds. 
And here's what I know. Usually by the time I wake up in the morning, my wife will already be out. She'll have a cup of coffee. Sometimes I, I get coffee for her uh, if, if, she, uh, if I beat her up. But, and she's going to already have her Bible open. She's going to be praying through a list. Huh? Uh, I'll pick her up a cup of coffee. Uh, I was at the Walmart earlier. Um, and, and I know this. She's going to have her Bible open. She's going to have a list. And on that list, she's praying for me praying for our kids, praying for a church, praying for a life group, praying for all of those things. And uh, you know, a lot of times, even today, I go, yeah, I need to sit down and do that. But instead, I just sit down, I'll study my Bible. I'll start figuring out what my things to do are. And then I just kind of say, okay, I'm going to pray as I roll through the day. But I think it's really important for us as men to pause from time to time and say, man, how do we talk to God? How should we talk to God? And so we have um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, kind of the quintessential thought uh, from Jesus. And by the way, this Lord's Prayer, it's right in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. If you look at Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, that's the Sermon on the Mount. But right in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus thinks it's important enough to pause and talk to us about how we should and should not pray to God. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. He says, this then is how you should pray, how you should talk to God, how we should communicate to God. He says, say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so there it is, right there in the heart of the Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus thinks it's important enough, starts with the Beatitudes, and then he ends with, how, do you, how does he end with uh, the Sermon on the Mount? You remember the conclusion, kind of his invitation? It was a story. He says, the wise man is the man who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. But a fool is the man that doesn't, that hears these words, but doesn't put them into practice. And they both built the house. Remember that? And the floods came and the winds blew and the rains came. The foolish man's house that was built on a sand, what was the sand? According to Jesus's illustration. The person that heard these words and didn't put them into practice. That is the definition, according to Jesus, not me, of a man who builds his house on the sand. The only difference between a wise and a foolish man in Jesus' eyes after preaching this entire Sermon on the Mount is what? Is do you put it into practice? And so today, guys, as I look through the whole Sermon on the Mount, I would say probably the idea of learning to have a consistent conversation with God, learning to talk to God, is probably one of the places, as I've talked to men over and over again, that we fail so often. Because there's just built within us a desire to do, not necessarily a desire to pause and pray. I'm going to say that again. There's built within us, and this is a good thing, by the way, guys. This is a God-given thing. There is built within our DNA, our heartbeat, our mindset, a desire to do, and not necessarily a desire to sit and pray. But they're not mutually exclusive. 
Because there is going to come a day when everybody in this room has one of those moments, one of those seasons of crisis, one of those days of difficulty that we will have wished that we had developed an ongoing conversation with God. And so that's really what I want to talk in, in this series on, five questions. It's important for us to know God's will for our life. It's important for us to know how to hear God speak to us. It's important when we are praying to know how to respond when God just flat out says no. And guys, there have been times in my life, and my guess is there have been many times in your life as well, where you prayed and called out and cried out to God and you begged God to do something. And he just didn't say, wait. He didn't say yes. He just flat out said no. And we've got to learn how to respond to those. We looked at that last week. But we also need to learn to have an ongoing, consistent conversation with God. In those seasons we're on the mountain to, when we were on the mountaintop, in those seasons when we were down in a deep, dark valley. And so that's what Jesus says, right in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you've ever thought the Sermon on the Mount is an incredible sermon, don't skip this part. Because Jesus says, this then is how you pray. Now we're going to see here in a second, he says, as opposed to the way other people pray. And I don't know about you, when we talk about the other people here in a second, uh, how many of you, be honest, because I'll tell you, the, the answer for me is yes. How many of you, you've ever heard someone else pray and you thought, that's impressive? Okay. I can tell you, your pastor does that. Every once in a while, I'll go to a pastor's conference or know I'll ask someone to pray, and, and they'll be praying a prayer, and I'll go, that's pretty impressive. And what do I normally think? I wish I could pray like that. Heck, I wish I could preach like that, right? And a lot of times we think that's what, that's what prayer is. Man, if I could just have a polished prayer. So if and when I'm ever called on, maybe at Thanksgiving or maybe at Christmas when all the family's together, uh, that if I just had that polished prayer, I'd be great. It's interesting. Jesus actually contradicts uh, that kind of perfect prayer with the kind of prayer you and I need to pray. And that's what we're going to see here. And as we think about how do you view God, the ways we view God, depending on who we, you know, who we are, kind of defines how we talk to Him. How many of you have military backgrounds? All right, if you see God as some sort of a, a sergeant or a drill sergeant or a captain or uh, maybe a four-star general, that means, how many of you know, if you're in the military, you talk to those dudes differently, right? You talk to those dudes differently. If you're an athlete, if you're in sports or whatever, uh, you talk, the, the players typically talk to their coaches different. You typically talk to other players differently. And so we want to understand that there is probably a way in here that all of us approach God with some sort of mindset on how am I going to communicate with him? And so I love what Jesus does. He says, listen, first of all, you got to know God. And so when he says, our father, those two words, our father, that ought to call something out of our mind, out of our hearts on what he is and what he's about. First of all, you just might, if you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. Let's start with the three O's of God. That when I say our Father, when I start to pray, He is omnipotent. Write that down. They're the omnis of God, omnipotent. 
What does that mean? That guy, that God is all-powerful. That God will have no problem at all fulfilling your prayer request. God will have no problem at all fulfilling your prayer request. He's got the power. And so whatever you're coming with, if it's big, if it's small, if it's medium-sized, if it's ongoing, or if it's one crisis moment, we need to understand, first of all, that when I call out to my Father, the Heavenly Father, that God completely has the power to answer that prayer, and it's not going to be a big thing for Him. I love what Jeremiah the prophet said in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27. Uh, This is God speaking. He says, I am the Lord your God, the God of all mankind. And then God says, is anything too difficult for me? And the answer is no. The answer is absolutely no. So that means when you and I start to think about praying, we've got to start by knowing that God's got the power to answer any prayer. Now, I want to encourage you to go back two weeks ago when I talked about sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says wait. But I want you to know, you and I never have to worry or wonder if God has the power to answer our prayer request. The second omni is omnipresent. That when I say, our Father who art in, our Father who art in heaven, He's not just in heaven. He is also present. He's right here with us. We're not trying to wake up some distant, deified deity God that just created the world years ago, wound it up like a watch, and let it go. We're not trying to get God's attention. That God is just kind of up there somewhere doing His thing, and when I begin to pray, I've got to to say the right words or say the right combination of words to get God's attention. Because not only is God omnipotent, He's omnipresent. He's right here with us. Might shock you guys, but God is right here. How many of you understand that? He's omnipresent. He is very present with us. Remember what David the psalmist said in Psalm 139? He says, where can I flee from your spirit? He says, if I go to the highest mountains, you are... That's right. If I go to the far side of the earth, he says, you are... He says, man, if I find myself in the deepest, darkest hole I've ever been in in my life, he says, you're there. And I love that idea that where can I flee from your spirit? So not only is God powerful enough to answer any prayer that I have, he's present. If I am having one of those mountaintop experiences, which we all love so much, God is there with me. If I am in the deepest, darkest valley, God is even there with me. There is never a moment in the season and time in the believer's life that God's not present with us. Now, sometimes we spend a lot of our day and a lot of our season, a lot of our times not talking to God, not acknowledging His presence, not acknowledging that He wants to have an ongoing conversation with us. But that doesn't make Him less present. It doesn't make Him not present. He's always there with us. Uh, Here's another idea. He's omniscient. That one says He's all-powerful. One says He's always present. Here's this one. That God knows everything. I, I think this can be one of the reasons sometimes that we don't pray is God already knows it, right? 
God, you know what I'm going to pray for you. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? God, you know what I'm going to ask you for? I, I prayed that prayer. You know, so ditto, right? Because God knows it all. But at, in, at no point in this prayer is Jesus encouraging us in this Lord's Prayer, this disciple's prayer, that we should take God's power for granted or take God's presence for granted or take God's knowledge for granted. But instead, we need to let it drive us to know a couple of things. And so when we think about this idea that God is omniscient, that he's all-knowing, man, I think there are several things that Jesus uh, tells us right before we get back to this prayer. So jump a few verses forward. Go up to verse 5. Jesus, before he tells us how to pray, he tells us how not to pray. He says, man, there are some things when you and I pray uh, that, that we shouldn't do in prayer. And thought number one we see in, in verse 5 is don't always focus on the pretty public prayer. Jesus flat out tells, uh, tells his followers and his disciples that Jesus would rather hear you pray a private, unrehearsed prayer than have the prettiest public prayer you have ever heard. You say, where do you see that? Look back to Matthew chapter 6, look at it in verse 5 and 6. He says, and when you pray, or but when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Well, what do hypocrites do? Notice what they said. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. So he says, hey, when you pray, don't be like a hypocrite. What do hypocrites do? They love to stand in the synagogues. They love to pray in church today. My guess is anybody in here going to the synagogue later? All right. They love to stand in church and pray. They love to be called on and pray. And, or they want to go out on the street corners. They want to pray. Why? They want to be heard by men. And so Jesus says, listen, God prefers a man to pray private unrehearsed prayers more than he cares what you sound like in your life group or your home group. So guys, here's the thought. If and when you do get to those moments and seasons when you're praying a public prayer, don't let the first thought in your mind be, I hope I'm good. But the second thought is, don't let that be the only time you pray. How many of us understand that? That it just needs to flow out of a way that you pray each and every day. And so Jesus, he's just honest. He says, but when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and church and on the street corners to be seen by others. He says, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. Guys, if all you do is pray in life group or home group or church or to be seen by men, can I tell you you've had your reward? What is he saying? All they wanted to do was be seen by men. Guess what happened to them? They were seen by men. Done. But instead, if we want to be the kind of men that God wants us to be, we've got to develop a prayer life that says, listen, if I never get called on to pray in church or in my life group or in my home group or at the office or anywhere, 
if I never get called on to pray, that's okay. Because if that's the only time I pray, I've received my reward to be seen by men. But Jesus said, man, we don't want to be that way. Continue to read on. He gives us some other ideas. He, he says, God prefers uh, private prayers over public ones. Look at verse 6. He says, but when you pray, go into your room. You know, for me, go into the office. Go, uh, go, go into your home office or, or somewhere else. Pray in your car. Close the door. And pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I think Jesus is being honest right here in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. The prayer that most, is most effective is not the one that makes others say, now that's a good prayer. The prayer that's most effective is when a dude is in his office and he just pauses. says, God, let me talk to you for a minute. I've got a big decision, and I want your wisdom. God, my wife and I are not in a sweet space right now. And I'd really like for you, God, just to begin to move in my life, change my heart, change her heart. Give us that sweetness that we used to have. God, in that private room, man, my kids are teenagers. How many of you have prayed that prayer? And I don't know what happened to this sweet kid or these sweet kids. And they're just being drawn away by the world. Man, that's just a dad, a dude. Metaphorically, at least, on their knees before the God who is all-powerful can answer our prayers. Who's always present. He knows what's going on, even before you begin to talk. And he knows what you need. But God loves for us to bring our needs to him. And so God, guys, the most powerful prayers you will ever pray will not be at Thanksgiving when you have the family over or at Christmas when you have the family over or in church or life group or home group when you're called on to pray. But your best prayer might be here in about an hour when you're about to head into a business meeting or you're about to make a phone call or you're about to receive a phone call or about to do this or about... Do you understand that could be the best prayer you ever pray? Because I'm, gonna, I'm not going to know about it. The other dudes at your table aren't going to know about it. It's just you and God. You say, God, let me have a little conversation here. Now just continue to read on, man. Not only does God not like uh, those public prayers, but he likes private prayers. Then he says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So here's, that's thought number one. God prefers private prayers over public prayers. We can all do that. Here's the next thing. God prefers short prayers over long ones. How many of you say amen to that? Yeah. God prefers, uh, prefers short prayers. Uh, he, he's like me. He's got some ADD. He's got other things to do in the universe. How many of you know that? Right? And I'm, I'm kind of being facetious there, but you say, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, just continue to read. Uh, look at it, verse 7. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling. Uh, remember, God's omniscient. So if you begin to circle uh, the wagons for a long, long time, God's kind of like, just get to it. He already knows our heart, right? 
He knows whether it's pure or impure, whether the request is right or the request is wrong. I think God's saying, dude, just get to it. So get to the point. And so I love that word. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Just get to it. Get to it. Just say, God, man, I, your prayer might just be, God, I've screwed this up. How many of you know God can handle that prayer? God, I need some wisdom. I've got no clue what to do. God, I need you to forgive me. God, I, I feel like I'm beginning to head down an old path that I don't need to go down again. How many of us understand that? Just get to it. Just you and God. You don't have to babble. You don't, it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be in front of other people. It doesn't have to be some rehearsed prayer. Man, God just went prayer. He wants you to open your heart up to Him. That's why I say God doesn't care about the pretty prayers. God wants your heart. He just wants you to talk to Him. He doesn't want you to think he's a drill sergeant, nor does he want you to think he's a genie that somehow if you say the right words, all of a sudden, poof, your dreams are going to come true. Then as you just continue to read, not only does he, 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 he prefers private prayers over public ones, he prefers short prayers over long ones. Here's another idea. God just simply likes honest prayers. So where do you see that? Look at verse 8. He says, do not, do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need even before you ask. Man, there's a lot of stress taken out of our prayers right there. When I begin to pray, here's what I know. God already knows. Say that again. Here's what I, when I pray, here's what I know. God already knows. So what is my answer? Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need even before you ask. So when you take those two words, and this last phrase I just read, when you begin to pray, you need to think that God is omnipotent. He is powerful enough to do anything and everything I want Him to do. God is omnipresent. God is in the space, whether it's in your car, the office, even in the deer stand. How many of you know you can pray there? Good place to pray. Lord, let that buck come out I saw on the cam. Lord, please. He knows what you need. And if you need to miss to humble you, he will let you miss. How many of you know that? But he's also, man, he's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows what we need. Here's the fourth thing those two words tell us, and then we're going to look. Is God is personal. Yes, he's all-powerful. Yes, he's all-present. Yes, he's all-knowing. But Jesus says, your God is your personal God. And I think a lot of times for us as guys, we um, walk in an emotive space with God that we think of God as all-powerful, as all-knowing, as all of that, but we don't think of God as my personal God. And that's why Jesus says, but when you pray... Don't head to the synagogue or the street corner. Don't think you're going to be heard because of your many words. He says, don't babble on and on. 
But instead, Jesus says, pray this way. Look at it, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11. God, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How many of you, if you're playing football or baseball, whatever it was, right before a game, you would say the Lord's Prayer? How many of you remember doing that? We did before a game, after a game. We would say the Lord's Prayer. That's just the way we did. Some of y'all must not have played, on, uh, played any Christian sports because you didn't raise your hand. But every Sunday morning, if you come here, if you're here about 845, right over there, uh, I typically meet with a group of deacons, and we will pray for what God is going to do at the church. And we always end, even to this day, it's typically from about 845 to 9, if you want to just come in and look, we don't do it for show, but we just get together and pray, because we want to pray for all that God is going to do. We always end with the Lord's Prayer. And it is kind of funny, we've all kind of gotten in a... a uh, in a, uh, uh, a groove now, but um, you can always tell when the men, some of these guys are smiling, they know what I'm about to say, because if you look at different versions of the Bible, the Lord's Prayer a little bit different. How many of you know? You could always tell because we would quote that out loud. Somebody would pray here, pray here. Then we'd all quote together uh, the Lord's Prayer. It was always funny because you could always tell the dude that learned the, uh, learned the Lord's Prayer in the King James, Right? And then you would hear someone else, they learned it in the NIV, and someone else learned it from the Living Bible, which I think is about two words or something like that. Uh, but it's, it's always funny, and so we would all kind of, and then, then there were some other phrases inserted in there and other stuff, and so the first couple of months we would do that when we started adding on the Lord's Prayer, it became kind of funny, because it all started with our Father who art in heaven and then train wreck, Right? And it, I'm like, what is going on here? And it was just funny to listen to. How many of you, know, a lot of these guys are sitting, and we'd just laugh. We'd get to the end and go, uh, hopefully God figured that out. But man, guys, when you think about the Lord's Prayer, I want you to think about this not being the Lord's Prayer. This is your prayer. This is a prayer that Jesus thought was important enough for you and me that in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he handed you a pattern or a prayer to say, listen, your God, your Father who is in heaven, he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is always present, but he's also personal. That's what that word our says. He says our Father. And so as we think about this, man, when we think about God being personal, thought number one is he's your personal God in a heaven that he created that is waiting for you. Have you thought about that lately? When you say our Father who is in heaven, that means he's my personal God who is in heaven that he created for the sole purpose of spending eternity with you and me as saints. And so when we think about heaven, we're thinking, man, that is an amazing thought. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Just put it in your notes. He says, if you then, when we think about God being our Father who is in heaven, he says, if you then, though you are evil, 
know even how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven know to give good gifts to you? What is he saying? When we approach God and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, Jesus is saying, listen, you even being an earthly father who is sinful, who is broken, who has a tendency to be selfish, who can be disconnected, who sometimes can be a bad father, if we even know in our minuscule minds what a good father would do, I can just tell you this, as your pastor, there have been times in my family that I, I've, I've thought to myself, this is where I get transparent and honest, a good father would do this right here, but I don't do it. Am I the only father that has ever done this? You know, as a good father, I would sit down and I would have this conversation in this way, and instead, I do have that conversation, but I have it in a completely different way. Am I the only dad that's ever done that, right? I love what Jesus said. He says, when you say our father, imagine the most perfect father in your most perfect mind. And Jesus says, the God who is our father far surpasses that. Because he says, listen, if you, even being evil, know that a good father would give good gifts to his children, he says, how much more so does your God know to give good gifts to you? Here's the second thing as you think about our father. He said, man, God's will for your life and my life is ultimately more important than anything you think you need. The greatest thing you and I need is God's will to be done in my life. I'm going to say that. You may think you need something. You may think you need a relationship fixed or a deal to come through uh, uh, for your business or this or that to happen or someone get healed. Let me tell you what Jesus says. The number one thing every dude needs in this room is they need God's will to be fulfilled in their life. You say, where do you see that? Jesus said, man, pray this. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking about, man, what is God's will for my life? So when you pray, guys, don't just pray for stuff. Pray for God's will in your life. Say, God, let me be an instrument for you to move in my family, in my life group, in my home group, in my church, in this space, in this place. So guys, I want to encourage us to step back. Know that God has all the power in the world to give you anything and everything you need. But the greatest thing you need, even whether you know it or not, the greatest thing you need, the greatest thing I need, is to know God's will for my life and to live it out. So you go and pray to God and you say, God, whatever you want, I'm going to ask for this. But whatever you want, God, more than anything, if you give me this, great. But if you don't, let me live out your will. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is saying. I think Jesus also says, listen, regardless of whatever your need is, God is going to provide us. He says, give us this day our daily bread. How many of you remember that phrase in there? Give us this day our daily bread. What is he saying? He's going to give you what you need. God's not always going to give you what you want. 
And guys, sometimes we need to step back and we need to be reminded of that, that God is going to give us what we need. So if you are in one of those seasons in life, or, or maybe you've been through one of those seasons in life where it feels like your business is falling apart, your relationships are falling apart, your lives are falling apart, and you're like, man, how, I'm going to, how am I going to make it today or tomorrow or next week or next month? How am I going to do this? Can I just encourage you with this? The one thing that a man of God will never have to worry about is his daily needs. You say, Pastor, you believe that? Absolutely. You say, why do you believe that, Pastor? Because that's what Jesus said. Is that God will give us, our Father, our daily needs. Now, the problem is not whether God will give us our daily needs. The problem is, are we satisfied with the stuff we need? Are we still bitter about not getting the things we want? Do we understand the difference? Are we satisfied with getting what we need? Or are we staying bitter because we don't get what we want? Typically, I can tell you in that office right there, when I sit down with a man, when I talk a man who's going through a difficult season, a hard season in life, or have a cup of coffee at Starbucks or, or go to Jason's Deli or wherever I am, the difference that I see in that dialogue is that most of the time the men have everything they need. The difference is their bitterness or regret because they haven't gotten everything they want. And the hard thing is to get them to see that. Listen, you still have the basics. Yeah, you're not getting everything you want, but you've gotten everything you need. And so when you think about this prayer, we need to understand that God is in heaven. is a heaven that he created for you. God is going to provide us every one of our needs. But if we journey, not only this, here is the great part for us as dudes. God forgives us of all of our sins. How many of you are grateful that, for that? Man, we all need to step back and be reminded that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That, man, we have this relationship to be able to pray to this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God only because He's a forgiving God. And over and over and over and over again, even when we've turned our back on Him, when we've stopped praying, when we've stopped uh, uh, reading our Bible, when we've stopped coming to church, when we've stopped spending time with our home group or life group or whatever, when we stop doing all that, you want to know God's response to you guys, to me, when I turn my back on God? Might want to go look this up, Jeremiah. God's response, because that's what Israel did to him over and over and over again. You know what God's response was? He says, but, yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've loved you with an everlasting love. So, guys, when Jesus says he forgives us of our sins, that is because God has an everlasting love for you. The brother right now, the friend, the dude that you're thinking of right now, He's walked away from church. Maybe he's walked away from relationship. He's walked away from business. He's walking away. Don't raise your hand, but how many of us know somebody like that right now? And all you're seeing, spiritually speaking, of that dude is his spiritual back. Do you want to know what God's words to him are? 
but yea, I've loved him with an everlasting love. And I want to draw him back. And guys, maybe that's some of you in this room. Maybe that's some of you in this room that you're here, but honestly, God sees more of your spiritual back than he sees of your spiritual face. And if that's you in this room, God's same message is still for you that, yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You say, Pastor, how do I get to talk to that God where I don't have to have pretty prayers on the street corners or in the synagogue, that I don't have to have these well-rehearsed prayers, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that. How do I have a conversation with that God? This is where we're going to close this series, is you've got to make sure He's your Father. You've got to make sure He's your Heavenly Father. You say, well, Pastor, how do I make sure He's my Heavenly Father? <laughs> By making sure you're His child. You say, okay, Pastor, if I've got to make sure He's my Heavenly Father and I'm His child, how do I become His child? Paul in Galatians chapter 3 said this, we become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So here's how I want to end this series by having everybody bow their heads right now. I never want to make the assumption that we're all saved. But here's your opportunity right now as we close this series to become a child of God by faith. Simply a prayer like this, just in believing. Just say, God, I know I'm sinful. I'm a broken man. I don't deserve your grace and I don't deserve your love. But I know that, God, you have loved me with an everlasting love. That, God, even when I showed you my spiritual back, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. And I trust and by faith, God, believe that he died, was buried, and rose again that third day. And I receive him as my Savior, and I place my faith in him. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and give me an everlasting life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And if you just prayed that prayer, guys, I'll be around, Justin's around, Sloan's here, Scott's here. Here's what Jesus said about what you just prayed. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me has eternal life. Not might have, but does have. So hopefully you've enjoyed this series. The next one is going to be Mad Men. Uh, give me two weeks. We'll come back and start looking at some of the Mad Men of the Old Testament. be a lot of fun. But uh, God bless you. And when you leave here today, don't, don't, don't show God your spiritual back. Face your God who is in heaven. Hallowed be his name. God bless, dudes. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. 
To learn more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you come back to listen to more episodes of Men's Bible Study.